teething sucks. We think Callum is starting his teething too. Really? Because he is drooling like a... (laughs) (laughs) And then he gets random fits of like, I'm in pain. Thea has like four coming in right now. At the same time. Oh my gosh. That sucks. So she is not... Two of them are like the front top teeth. And then she Mm -hmm. has like two in the back of her mouth. She's only had two teeth for like eight months. (laughs) So it's about time. It is about time. Coming with a vengeance. everyone and welcome back to the midnight connection the podcast where two dads talk about anything they want at the only time they can episode 11 welcome everyone to november it's crazy it is crazy it's all of a sudden super cold outside it is man when we're recording this halloween happened two days ago chris did you go out trick-or-treating we did we pulled a we pulled a last minute audible well, we were we were not gonna do anything actually on uh you know the actual night of halloween because it's a tuesday it was a tuesday and it was cold well it wasn't quite cold yet when we decided to go out we uh our church was doing a trunk or treat plus games and you know all this other stuff and we weren't gonna go because we basically used up our costume idea on, on over the weekend yeah And the church, you know, they encouraged people to come as, you know, saints or something like that. Because for the, for the Catholic faith, it's all, it's, um, I mean, it's all saints day, right? So you, you celebrate the lives of the saints and things like that. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it had kind of turned into Halloween. It was funny because the priest on Sunday was like, you know, it'd be nice to, uh, on all saints day. To celebrate the saints instead of celebrating all the, the demons running around, <laughs> we were like, huh, I guess that's true. Uh, but you know, there were you know all kinds of people showed up at the trunk retreat in all manner of different costumes. But we hadn't figured any of that out, and it was going to be cold. We we're like, forget it. We'll just stay in. And then Francis just had like this sudden burst of energy. And thirty minutes before going, she she whipped up costumes for them to be saints, and we just went. But it was fun. That's cool. awesome. Yeah. The uh it was our first trunk or treat. Have you ever done one of those? I have not. It was interesting. There, like people will show up, usually the bigger vehicles and you decorate the trunk of the car or the whole car. It's all nice and compact, you know, you get your candy and your trick or treating in pretty quickly. Uh, everybody was super nice and um they had games too, so they did uh balloon busting with darts and bowling ring toss they had That's like a awesome. the kit yeah it was this whole thing and then it got it's cold more of a shit. social event it got cold as shit oh yes <laughs> about an hour after we got there around what time were you guys out uh it started at six we got there a little late yeah and i think we stuck around for less than an hour because it was dropping fast it, it did was, drop fast like we get out of here uh but that's what we ended up doing which is fun and it was cool because we uh so our kids started sunday school there think two months ago now and it's nice because we'd show up and they're like oh hey benji like everybody like they know them you know that's awesome that's really sweet (laughs) nice (laughs) they're not just random kids yes hello you know them by name (laughs) yeah 
is Stephanie and I went to her cousin's place out in Ashburn um, for Thea's very first trick-or-treat experience. So we dressed up as the Flintstones and jetted out there. You know, the thing about the Flintstones costumes is that it's cold as fuck because... (laughs) (laughs) They don't wear much. (laughs) They don't wear much. Uh... We tried to go with the barefoot theme, but obviously we couldn't pull that off. So Stephanie and I were just wearing Crocs. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was not enough thermal layering going on. I think by the time we got to our cousin's house, you know, we chilled for a little bit, ate some food, and then we went out around like 7.15. Oh, boy. And it and within 10 minutes, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> it is too damn cold. It was so cold, but the neighborhood was pretty cool. They they took it pretty seriously there. A lot of um, a lot of people waiting outside of their homes, like a lot of adults set up with like lawn chairs and like fire mm-hmm. pits and stuff mm-hmm. like that kind of situation. Yeah, and it was nice. You know, I uh, we carried Thea around and had her riding around in her stroller. She got very good at grabbing candy out of a bowl and putting it in her bag. Nice. It was very, very cute. And then important by life the, skills. Yeah, very important life skills. <laughs> and then by the time we got back to the car to start, you know, it was like a 40-minute drive back home, just passed the fuck out. There you and go. I was like, this is the greatest day of my That's life. That's the real win, yeah. <laughs> Can we trick-or-treat every night? That's right. <laughs> Best night of sleep she's had in a while. Well, great. That was a great check-in, even though it was not how we usually start our episodes, because yeah, we yeah. usually start our episodes with a connection question. Nice. And so I wanted to ask you, Chris, what is your go-to feel-good TV show? And by this, I mean, we all have shows that we watch, like, multiple times, right? Mm-hmm. For comfort, they're familiar to us, and it does. Sometimes it doesn't even matter when in a show's history you start in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what do you watch? It's got to be Psych, man. I knew it. Love that damn show. <laughs> it's it's just one of my most favorite shows because they they do all these callbacks to the '80s, right? It speaks directly directly to my heart. You do love the '80s. And it's one of those shows where, so it has, okay, so if you've never seen it, it is a show about a hyper-observant guy, who, and he learned that from his father, who is like a police detective. He doesn't want to be a cop, but it is a very valuable tool that he can use very effectively. Mm-hmm. So what he ends up doing is... While working with the police, he started up his own fake psychic detective agency where he pretends to be psychic, but ends up solving or helping the police solve all their cases. Partners with his longtime friend, they just do the stupidest shit. And if (laughs) (laughs) so, but it's so you have this aspect of, you know, real light crime solving type thing, right? Which I like. I watch crime shows sometimes and police shows and all that. So you have that. You have callbacks to the 80s all over the place because that's the era that they grew up in in the show. Um, so I understand if you're not an 80s kid, all that stuff is just kind of you know, like right over your head. Sure. But 
speaks directly to me. And there's just a whole lot of like, if you're not listening to them or, or watching them, cause they do, there's a lot of other little jokes and jabs in there, whether it's just in the way that they're, they look or like really quick jokes that they're throwing at each other. Yeah. And they have um, running gags across the different shows and then there are times when it even gets more sentimental, more serious, you know? So there's mm-hmm. some, there's also character growth and progression in there. It went on, they went on to make, I think, three movies also after the series ended. Oh, damn. I literally, every once in a while, will just choose some random episode and and just watch it. They have an episode and, and he, uh, the character is a, he's a bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. Wearing the uh, you know like leather vest, no undershirt, other oh, like, chap. Uh, what is it? is it? Dog the bounty hunter? Kind of was yeah. popular at that time. Guess guess who plays him? Who? Kevin Sorbo. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's perfect. <laughs> and he's he's you know, recurring. You know Kevin Sorbo's problematic now, right? What? The, why? How? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, what it all depends say? on your politics, right? What did he say? <laughs> but he he's like anti woke, right wing nut job now. Oh, okay, interesting. But yeah, <laughs> it's a if you're an '80s kid, you have to watch the show. You just absolutely have to watch the show. I think they're freaking hilarious. The two of them together. Yeah, I'll I'll throw episodes on, and it just it still makes me laugh. Even though I know what's going to happen, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the best. I know the though. jokes, and yeah, and it's still they still make me laugh. I wish there was more of it, but they're just so dumb. <laughs> I so remember dumb. you told me a long time ago that that was your jam, and I should check it out. And I did check it out. I did like it. You know, I hate the eighties, so yeah. that that part of it did not hit with me. But it's a bit of a sandbag there. I do. <laughs> I do love quick wit and like that kind of buddy comedy oh, yeah, yeah. energy, you know what I mean, that they have between one another. Mm-hmm. So I was all about that. Well, what do you watch then? What 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 cheers you up, my man? You know, <laughs> it's a interesting thing. I would say if I was to just go straight out and say the first thing that comes to mind, it is Parks and Recreation. I haven't watched a single episode. I have pro. It's seven seasons and it's network TV, so it's like, you know, sixteen to twenty episodes per season. I've mm-hmm. probably watched the entirety of that show six to seven times. Oh my gosh, it's a lot. But the reason I like that show is because it's super positive, and oh, really? I am yes, it's like a very good feel good show of like. Everyone supports one another, but everyone's super unique and like quirky and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, For those of you that don't know about Parks and Rec, it is a show about the Parks and Rec department in this fictional town of Pawnee, Indiana. And it centers around the main character, Leslie, which is played by Amy Poehler. And it's awesome because throughout the series, you see this government official go through these changes and like the come up in government. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also the show that, well, I don't know if it gave us Chris Pratt, but I feel like it put Chris Pratt on the map. I'm sure he was 
on stuff before that. Um, Aubrey Plaza, freaking Quincy Jones's daughter. I'm blanking on her name right now. Rashida, Rashida Jones. Rashida Jones, yeah. It's great. Super comedic. And uh, if I'm ever feeling any which way, I'll put any episode on and I'm definitely going to laugh my ass off. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. I haven't, but I'm, I literally just added it to my list. The first two seasons are very different from the rest of the show. It's like, I almost don't like the first season because the character, the main character of Leslie is very different. They were clearly really? trying something because it was kind of like an offshoot of the office. Mm-hmm. I was never a fan of the office. I if, never really watched it either. There was something about the comedy of the office that I didn't like. And it's weird to use the term negative, but it just kind of seemed like in the office, everyone was antagonistic with one another sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like it was that kind of comedy. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Parks and Rec, everyone's always working together for the greater good. So they changed uh, the main character's attitudes from being kind of stupid in the first season to being more like assertive, a leader, more charming and compassionate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes a huge difference. And Rob Lowe's in it. Oh, well. Rob Lowe and Adam definitely Scott. give it some time. <laughs> I will check it out. I wonder, do you have to have watched the shows to have seen the psych movies? It helps a lot, I think. Yeah. You know, because they will do, um, yeah, I, I think it helps quite a bit. Because there's, there's a lot of, like, they'll, they'll do callbacks to things. They'll continue their running jokes. It was so funny because I think it might have been for the, trailer for the very first one that they made where oh, really? people weren't sure if it was going to come back at all you know so the the fans are all the show ended and everyone was like oh god you know and now we have no more psych and then there were rumors started to spin that it was gonna they were gonna make a movie mm. so they made a trailer of well not maybe not a trailer but uh, a promo of the two of them basically like talking to each other about bringing it back like okay. like they had like they had just gotten word that it's going to come back. Yeah. So they had to base essentially get back into psych shape. So they <laughs> they spend the whole promo like going through all their old jokes and like trying to get the magic back. Wow. And none of that would make any sense. And that's just the promo. So <laughs> you know, and, and like and you have the relationships that are all there and you don't sure. you wouldn't really have the context of everything that's going on. So I would say it is definitely beneficial to have seen the seasons. And I, am I, I don't know. I, my thought is they made those movies purely for fan service. So yeah, they lean into that pretty hard. I can understand know. that. Good for the fans. Yeah. And to close the loop, I just found the article that talks about Kevin Sorbo supporting <laughs> baseless claims that it was leftist agitators who broke into the U.S. Capitol when they stormed the Capitol. Uh, He's an Antifa dude. So Lucy Lawless had to come out and set him straight on Twitter. Wow. X. Jeez. What a terrible name. (laughs) It's a a horrible name. The fuck are we doing, Elon? Let it go, bro. You can't even search for that. For X? Like, what? Not without having your web safe. Exactly. Exactly. What are you doing? (laughs) Like, call it anything else. Anything else. It's just. Better than how, the names how? he gives his children. Oh, God. 
Have you seen that? I feel like I have and totally just wiped it from my brain. <laughs> it means it makes no fucking sense, dude. Just call him <laughs> Billy. <laughs> Can you like just give him an actual name? Just give the man an actual name. Even if it's something as crazy as Apple. Yeah. Apple you know, is. You know like who Apple is? Yeah. hundred times better than this thing. What? What, yeah. what is this? I mean, Apple's a pretty Hollywood baby name. But it's cute. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. Yeah. Andre 3000 has a child named Seven with Erica Badu. Only Seven? Do they yeah. really? Hmm? Huh? Like, are they together together or was that a... They were. Oh, you didn't know about this? No. I'm not so, an Andre 3000 super fan. Oh, really? I love Andre 3000 and Erica Badu. So... That's why I'm so surprised. They used to kick it a lot. Um, here's a story to blow your mind. So Erica Badu and him broke up, I think, because maybe he cheated or something. Uh, I'm not exactly sure of the details, but they broke up. They had had a kid. Kid's name was Seven. And when they broke up, uh, Erica Badu was recording her album Mama's Gun. And the last song on that album is a song called Green Eyes, which is um, like the main line is uh, my eyes are green because I eat a lot of vegetables. It has nothing to do with your new friend. And like, oh, gosh. She, she repeats this line. And it's, it's a great song, but it's totally like you tricked me. You fucked me over or whatever. Right. So she wrote that about him. And he wrote Miss Jackson about her and her mom. No way. Yep. I did not know that. So when he's talking about, like, being there for the baby and everything and, like, apologizing to the woman who he's left's mom, that's mm -hmm. Erica Badu's mom. Wow. Facts. It all makes sense now. <laughs> and you know how I know that fact? By having way too much time on my hands. And using it very poorly. Nice. <laughs> by researching things. <laughs> and Chris is saying that it's nice because Chris knows what our first segment is. <laughs> and that is the fantastic glamorous pivot that I just made. That was great. <laughs> the topic of time management. <laughs> or now, lack thereof. Or lack thereof, exactly. I will say I will not consider myself a great manager of time, but I believe I am an efficient user of time. Mm. Okay. What say you, Chris? I would say also... An efficient user of time. I like to get shit done. Do you do it ahead of time, though? Am I great at time? No, I don't think so. Because I, I feel like so. you have more balls juggling in the air than possibly anyone I've ever met in my entire life. That can't be true. Because <laughs> I feel like you have more than I do. You know, it's funny because people say that to me, especially because I'll say like, oh, I, I'm in three bands or whatever, four bands, whatever. 
I can't even remember how many. <laughs> well, I was talking to somebody <laughs> recently and they're like, oh, so like, what do you do in your free time? And I was like, well, you know, I'm in three or four bands. I, I'm doing two podcasts right now. I work full time. <laughs> I take care of a one-year-old daughter. They're like, what the fuck? I play video games. I play video games at a pretty good clip. The other day, Stephanie was like, when the fuck do you play? She's like, I hear on the podcast that you're completing all these games. When do you play? She doesn't even know. <laughs> I'm like, when you're asleep. When you sleep. That's when yes. I do it all. It's true. But yeah, I, I, I think from my personal perspective of everything that I do, I feel like I could use my time a lot more efficiently. I guess I do a lot, but I'm definitely like... Let's let's do this. Let's take it by examples of certain environments. All right. All so right. let's let's talk. Let's start with the work environment. Okay. Okay. I'm sure we both get projects, oh, tasks yeah. to do for our jobs without getting into any specifics of our actual jobs, so we don't get in trouble. <laughs> 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 How are you with those tasks? Okay. So. In my position right now, we're talking about talk about juggling balls, man. There is, there is sh- shit. I <laughs> couldn't help it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> There's shit everywhere right now, mm-hmm. and it feels like nothing, nothing's ever. Well, it's gonna take a while for stuff to come down, and every time I think things are settling down, more stuff comes, mm-hmm. and so. The only way I've been able to kind of manage it, if you even want to call it that, is by having a running document of everything that's going on and where everything is at any point in time. Mm-hmm. And then I have to sort of organize that by what I'm going to look at today. And and this sucker just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. Um, and then I, I kind of couple that with... My email inbox. So at my previous job, I was pretty good at keeping the inbox clean. The only stuff in the actual inbox was stuff that needed my attention. Mm-hmm. At this new job, no way in hell, man. <laughs> it's, like it just stuff gets buried so fast. It's not even funny. So, so I started flagging things. Like, okay, this email I have to respond to, and I'll I'll pin it basically, right? So it sits at the top. Yeah. And now I'm like, fuck. Now I have to. There's so much shit up here. I have to scroll my pin section. And then I need my other document to tell me like <laughs> how I'm supposed to deal with all that stuff. So it's pretty much a uh, – when we used to train people in, in my previous job, it was always like you're going to start the day with a plan, right? You're going to have a list of things that you're hoping to do that day, and it's all going to go right out the window as soon as you open your inbox. <laughs> and that's basically what happens. It's – Primarily about prioritizing, right? Are there any major fires that need to be addressed, like need need to be addressed? And then you always got to consider what's hanging around that is going to eventually become a fire if I if you don't address it, right? Yeah. And then the work that I do, it's very, very, very project driven. A lot of it isn't actually me doing the work, right? So I have to kind of see where everything's going. At any point in time, I have to know where stuff is and communicate that to all our, all the stakeholders and make sure they know what's going on. Yeah. And so 
because of all that lead times, like if I slip up somewhere, it's definitely gonna show it'll snowball. Yeah, yeah, it'll be bad. But I'm still I'm I'm new to the job, right? So I'm still like learning the people, learning how things work, learning what I should be doing, and and I feel like they put a whole lot on my plate for as long. I've only been there for like four months, right? Is your company big? The company itself, the like the big big overall company is huge. The department I'm in is the smallest of the main departments in that company. Hmm. So in terms of what we do compared to my previous job, which was their primary rival night and day, right? So my, my previous job, the entire company was focused on this one line of business mm-hmm. where I am now. We're the smallest piece of this huge organization <laughs> that does all gotcha. these other things. And we're like the little stepchild, you know, <laughs> doesn't get all the resources gets bullied around by the other departments yeah you know and so we're we're scrappy right trying to do all these things and make all this stuff happen with a very small team comparative comparatively speaking but what that does is it gives me an opportunity to go in there and like make a difference right i don't get i don't get lost in In the the organization of people Yeah. yeah like i'm there four months and i'm like you know i'm already giving speeches and shit well, it was small, but I was, yeah, I was on stage <laughs> on like an annual conference presenting a small section of something and it's wild, but it, it's cool. So it's, but it is tough to, to manage that, manage the time, manage all the requirements and all that stuff. It's. Are you working primarily from home? A hundred percent from home. Do, do you think that makes it more tough or easier? See, if you had asked me that when I was primarily in the office, and then working from home occasionally, I would have said being at home is a distraction. Mm-hmm. Working from home full time during the pandemic, and then eventually going back to the office in some capacity, I realized how much worse it is at the office. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, for me, for me, and what, for what, like what I was doing. Yeah. Because we'd we'd get there, I'd get there, and then you, you know you kind of shoot the shit with people for a while which was normal back then, right? Mm-hmm. And then people would come by and kind of bring things to your attention, which is, a, you know, that's one of the the big draws of working together with people. It's like, oh, they can, instead of chatting somebody or calling someone, you can just go over there and talk to yeah. them, which I get it. But in the teams that I was on, like we're, we're all data people, right? We're digging into big piles of data, looking for things. It's not like we're we're not like sales teams, right? Mm-hmm. Who are need to be talking to each other all the time. So anytime any one of us wanted to really work, we had to isolate ourselves. <laughs> we're like, put the headphones on, shut everybody out, you know. Do not stuff disturb like that. sign up. Yeah. It's it's like, well, I come here to work and when I really want to work and have to get stuff done, I have to shut everyone out. Right? Yeah. At home, it's much easier to avoid that, keep that from happening. You have the other you know, the, the family's getting used to me being home. Like, they, they know. Like, if I shut the door, they don't come barging in here. Like, mm-hmm. they but respect if they, the space. yeah, I mean, they might creep in every once in a while. They, they know that's mostly going to be fine. I mean, if, if I'm on a call with like the president, I'd be like, yeah, you better stay out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I don't find it nearly as distracting being at home, but I'm, I can work in that, in this environment. Like, it's suitable for me. You know, sure. You can hold yourself accountable in that yeah. space. Yeah, and it works for what I do. Yeah, it's a 
similar, but a little bit different with my job. I, you know, my company is super small. We have less than 20 people, the entire company. So everyone's role is really fluid, but like heavy lift, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So I, I do a lot with like setting up events and trainings and PDs for, for people. And so it's a lot of like logistical work that I do. And it's great doing it from home, you know, because I can do it at my own pace. I don't need the headphones because I'm just like blasting my own music while I'm working downstairs. But this is the first like office, quote unquote, job I've ever had in my life. Because prior to this, I've always gone into business for myself or like started businesses for other people. So like I've always been up or near the top of like the hierarchical food chain, right? Yeah. That's a very interesting position because no one tells you what the fuck to do. Yeah. Like when when I started a music school, no one told me what to do. No one gave me any deadlines, no one gave me any like structure, right? It was mm-hmm. just like your task is to make this business successful. Go. Right. And you had some experience managing a school. I had experience managing a school. I had some entrepreneurial experience prior to that because I had started my own audio production company out of college. But like brick and mortar business is like very different. Mm -hmm. I had to really step up my game. And like for, for those four years, I was grinding super hard. Mm -hmm. And In that grind, I would be working like 12-hour days, six to seven days a week at like shit times too. Like it wouldn't be a nine to five. It would be like a 12 to 2 a.m. Oh, my gosh. Because we, you know, we're after school. Yeah. And then after classes were over, we would like hold events into, into the night. So I felt like at that time... I was good at managing a lot of things because there was no, like failure was not an option. Mm -hmm. So whatever needed to happen, it would get done. Either I would delegate it to people or I would get it done myself. Now that I'm a part of a team and I'm a little bit lower on the totem pole, if you will, it's really interesting having to be, like having to be responsive to other people's deadlines and other mm-hmm. things and knowing that like my piece of the puzzle needs to be ready so that other people can bring their pieces to the puzzle and everything can be successful. Right. So I tend to admittedly, I never miss a deadline. I'll say that, but I wait <laughs> until, <laughs> until the last, until the last possible minute. moment. Yeah. And, it, and I'm getting better at it now. Again, like it's one of those situations where, my mind is always in survival mode. And when your mind is in survival mode, it's not about how long does this take? It's just about when does it need to get done by? And okay, it's going to get done. Mm -hmm. Now that the pace of work is the same, but the stakes are kind of different, I'm working on planning ahead, right? Mm -hmm. And and getting things to where they need to be. Because I know it makes my life easier. No one likes to have days where, like, you wake up 
ready to clock into work because you know you got a lot of shit to do today because something is due tomorrow. <laughs> right. Because then inevitably something always pops up. Some new project pops into your lab. Someone needs random help with other shit. And you're like, hey, of course I got to say yes. Do you though? <laughs> I try to. I mean, again, my company is super small. Yeah, yeah. So I really play the like logistical online event guy, audio visual guy role mm -hmm. for my company. So depending on what department they might be doing, like Zoom presentations and stuff like that, and they want me to run the sessions for like, you know, 60 to 80 people to like be able to do like Zoom conferences and shit like that. Yeah. So I get pulled in different directions all the time, but I do pride myself on that. And I and I vocalize that to my team. I'm like, yeah, I mean, if I can step in, I'll step yeah. in and, and do what I need to do. And I very rarely say no. Yeah. Do you think that sometimes puts you in a position of poor time management? Accepting those things? Yeah. Uh, yes and no. Yes, in that it might make my life a little bit more stressful for a minute. No in that the more I keep putting myself into that position, the more my brain starts to realize I need to plan ahead. Mm. So I'm learning through the anxiety. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you ever watch uh, cooking shows? Yes. There's a, point, there's a point to this, trust me. <laughs> I, I already see your point, but yes. Do you, so I think one of the things, so I, I tend to procrastinate also. But I don't, I don't know if I really call it that. So, and, and this goes all the way back to when I was in school, like grade school. Like you were saying, you won't miss the deadline. But getting there, you're not always doing the stuff early or ahead of time. Yeah. Right? Even though you could. And it and would I, make your life easier. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think I have this, you've seen those scenarios where the, the cooking competition, right? Some guy or some whoever, some chef is doing their thing getting through the challenge and they finish early, right? And then they're mm -hmm. just kind of sitting around tooling their thumbs or whatever. Oh, yeah. And the first thing you, you hear- You don't ever want to see that. Yeah, the first thing you hear is, oh, there's a lot of time they could be using to really, you know, refine or the details and all that stuff. I don't want to be that guy. No, it's right? true. I don't want to have done, done the work weeks or a month early and then forgotten about it. And then by the time it's relevant and due- I either missed something because I didn't think of, you know, because I just, you know, whatever. I was just trying to finish it early or I have now, I have since forgotten <laughs> like what made it like so the important. Context. Yeah. yeah. The details and the context. So I like, I like to keep things that are relevant, fresh in my mind. Yeah. And it's not like I don't have things to fill the time that I could be using for that. It's sort of like, okay, I've got all these other things I could be working on. I'll put those things in here now uh and then we'll get to that one later uh and the other thing was um i was thinking about uh, i think it's an agile principle is well, it, well whatever it, it's a work principle right people that are engaged and that are you know like passionate about the project they're doing are going to give you better results mm -hmm. right and so sometimes it's also i got to do or work on and i think this probably comes more into play for like personal hobby things, right? It's like, I'm going to do what I'm in the mood to do first, yeah. you know? 
Because if I don't do that, unless it's something that really just has to happen, then I'm just going to work my way through it. And it's not going to be great. It's not going to be fun. And, you know, the whole experience just sucks. So it's like, well, I'm not in the mood for that now. I'll do this other thing. Enjoy that. Get through that. And then I'll come, you know, come and work on this other thing. Start on a positive. Yeah. that That's the kind of stuff that runs through my through my head when I'm trying to juggle all the stuff that's going on. You know, I'm like, well, I could be. It's funny because sometimes people, like Francis will ask, like she might go somewhere with all the kids, you know, to go hang out with somebody. Mm-hmm. She's like, you're going to be all right. I was like, oh, I've got so much to do, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, or I can't think of the context right now, but whenever it's like, oh, you know, Chris is going to have some free time. It's like, oh, there's, I have a whole bevy of <laughs> things that free I can pull up into. subjective. Do. Yeah, exactly. Am I really free here? <laughs> Am I? Yeah. Like, no, That's I'll, interesting. I'll like, I'll like immediately slot something. It's like, oh, I got 30 minutes. I can work on this, you know. When you say that that principle is from agile is that like a project management thing yeah yeah that's interesting so i've recently heard about agile okay i went to a so like i visit schools right that that do alternative type of education i visit this one school in iowa Mm -hmm. and their teachers were talking to us because they ever it's all project-based learning right So instead of the teachers getting like regular teacher training, what they requested from their principal is that they get agile training. Really? Yes. And so they use that. Agile is the fundamental skeleton that powers the learning at their school. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And when when they mentioned that, I looked it up and I was like, oh, shit, I need to take a look at this. Because really that skill of like being able to manage different types of quote unquote projects, right? Mm -hmm. That defines how people learn, what learning looks like in different contexts, how you go about that learning. Like even what you just said, right? About like starting with something that you like. Mm -hmm. Just that idea alone, you can put into so many different contexts. Mm -hmm. And obviously time management, group team dynamics like the social aspect of project managing all these things line up and if you teach young kids these things early they become so much more complete humans by the time they're leaving high school interesting unlike me (laughs) i know unlike us when agile didn't even exist (laughs) it's like and there's a lot to it or i don't know that i really buy into every aspect of it because there's so much that's in, in there. So I'd be really curious to see actually what they how they utilize that in more detail. Because a lot of it is your project team and working with like a development team, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of steering that through the process and what your expectations are with them, how you organize the work and all that kind of stuff. So well, I mean that's essentially what they do at this school. Not not to go too deep into it, but The way that they run this school is that it's a couple hours a day, right? Like a lot lot of the kids that go there might go to a traditional public high school around the area, but they come out for this one school like two days, three days out of the week. All the children have projects that they do in teams, right? Like teams of five. 
Mm -hmm. it's projects that they team up with. So what the school did is create partnerships with local businesses and nonprofits. And the administrators or the mentors of the school would go to these companies and say, look, we have a bunch of young, spirited, energized learners that are trying to contribute to their community. They are here as an asset for you guys. What are projects that mm. you guys would want to do if you had the capacity but are not mission critical? Mm -hmm. And pitch us those ideas. These kids will select like what projects they want to participate in order to A, strengthen their bond to their own community, B, go through the experience of actually going through a legitimate project, mm -hmm. and C, being able to understand the real-world applications of these things that we're teaching them in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And for the businesses, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Because even if the children fail their project or it's not successful, that's useful data for those companies that right. they did not have to spend any work capacity for, money yeah. for, and every it's a win-win. That's really cool. Yeah. See, I was always saying kids need to find a way to get some kind of work experience. Yeah. You know, it's kind of wild to expect kids to just come out of school and then get thrown right into a workforce in all number of different capacities, you know? Absolutely. I mean, we're we're getting a little bit off topic here, but I'm more than happy <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. to go down this route because you're absolutely right. The fact that kids come out of like a traditional education system at the age of, you know, 17, 18 or whatever, they're going off to college. First thing, it's like half of these kids don't even know what they want to do with their yeah. lives. One. Two, you're asking them to make a huge decision and commitment towards something that they haven't even tried. Right. And for lower income families, that financial burden could be life ending. Could be, yeah, could be. It, it could literally bankrupt people if somebody takes out, you know, like a huge student loan in order to go to college for, I don't know, psychology, right? Mm. They get into it two years before they actually take a psychology class because it's all right. gen eds. Right. And then they finally take that class and realize they fucking hate it. Yeah. It's not what, what you, I want to do. What are you going to do? Change majors? No, yeah, you just have unhappy humans. Exactly. That are just stuck, you know, in this choice. And you've never taught these kids how to make a bad choice. You've never taught these kids how to fail pick yourself back up and reassess the situation. Mm. Like some people I've heard so many stories of people who go to college and kind of like lose their minds because they're given too much freedom. Mm -hmm. And it isn't that they really have been given that much freedom that they didn't have before. It's just the structures around them have disassembled. Right. But the kids themselves have not learned to stand up by themselves. Right. And then we're like, Oh, you're a failure. It's like, no. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> Society is the failure, guys. That's my soapbox. Society? The parents? Yes. Society. The parents. I, I think the system. Not to, okay. <laughs> not, okay. Not to sound, not to sound <laughs> like, you know, that kind of hippy-dippy, but the system is truly designed. Right. 
to take away people's uniqueness and individuality, right? Like, I don't know if you know this, but the modern education system was invented in the early 1900s, and it was invented because of the Industrial Revolution. So in the Industrial Revolution, assembly line jobs were super popular, and the mentality behind an assembly line job is that at every position, there is one person that does one specific role repeated a million times, right? And as the car goes down the assembly, it gets constructed until it's at the end. So instead of training a workforce to be critical thinkers, be more adaptable, flexible, they created a schooling system to have people be really good at learning material and regurgitating material. And so that was fine during that time when everyone was just doing assembly line jobs, but the education system has not been modernized. Mm-hmm. And because it hasn't been modernized, there's no room for people to be individualistic. There's no room for uniqueness, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you really liked band, you could do band, right, at school. You can do marching band or orchestra or whatever. You, those options are available to you, but they are extracurricular. Right. They are not a part of your learning identity, right? Right. But what if you love music, so you're in band, and then you need to learn math, but part of your learning math is related to music and how mathematics plays a huge role in music. Right. All of a sudden, you're like, it's real world contextualization of the thing that you're studying with the thing that you love, you become a more whole person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's so many possibilities. And it is frustrating to me that on a large scale, like no one sees that shit. Well, they all grew up in it, right? It's what they know. Yeah. I mean, I had to describe to my mom what I do, <laughs> or like what, <laughs> like what I'm trying to do, right? And like, yeah. and I think there's a huge part of it too that has to do with immigrants, mm. because you know, my mom came to this country. Literally, she would tell me all the time, "I came to this country so you could get a great education." Yeah, but the real question is like, what the fuck does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. You know, she would always be like, you're not going to be a laborer. Like, I didn't come to this country for you to, like, work with your hands. But, like, for a while, I was into, like, electrical engineering. Dude, trades right now? Dude, so much money being (laughs) made. I saw this, like, PBS News uh, Hour story that talked about how the trades are struggling to find new blood. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. But those young people that are going into the trades currently have crazy job security because the old generation's dying out and they're making six figures like five years into their easy their their work, you know, which is crazy for that because you have to apprentice for like three years anyway. Yeah. So I, I almost became an electrician when I was in between jobs. I mean, it wouldn't be a bad idea, honestly. It would if you were my mom. 
<laughs> any of those traits, they will always be valuable and important. Yeah. But back to procrastination. <laughs> yes. So time management. So time right, management. Yeah, you started on the work environment. Do you want to switch to another? Yeah, let's, you let's switch to um, time management with our passions. Okay, this one's going to be long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to prove to you how bad I am at managing time. Primarily, well, here's what I, here's what I work on. All right. In terms of passions, right? We have this show. For this one, for me. I'm just, you know, I'm just the on-air talent, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you do the heavy lifting for editing, mastering. This one, I publish it, but that's nothing. Our second show, I do the editing. Mm-hmm. So I don't edit as heavily as you do, but it's four different tracks and music and all that stuff. So there's, there's plenty to do there. It, I don't know. Is it hard for you to do? Like, I cannot... I try to edit while like maybe doing something else, but I just can't. What do you mean doing something else? Like listening like, to a podcast or something? Uh, I don't know. Listening to a podcast. Like maybe I might work on the sheet, right? At the same time, because it's it doesn't always require a lot of deep thinking for me. Mm. But even then, I find that I'll miss things, you know, because yeah. I'm not really paying attention. So so the editing work has, I need like full attention, but on top of all that, right. So there's the actual production of the shows that we're doing. And then there's, so, and we'll touch on this later, but as part of the other show, one of the things we want to do is provide tools for people. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that all happens inside of a Google sheet, which we have custom built with some inspiration from a few other products to facilitate people's games. Like we're we're recording and producing our first season, and at the same time we are converting and making a tool for another one, right? Mm-hmm. So, I work with Roman to to discuss rules in the setting and how we're going to convert them, and then I dig into the spreadsheet and I'm building tables in the back and changing the interface and all that kind of stuff. So I'm actually designing this stuff. A lot of the editing predominantly happens in the middle of the night for me. Because that's the only time where I get like undivided attention. That makes sense. Working on the sheet, looking at rules, I can kind of sprinkle that in, you know, throughout the day. If I'm sitting in a meeting where I'm just like, I don't, I don't even know why I'm in this meeting. <laughs> I might, <laughs> I might click over and start working on the sheet, you know. Yeah. So I try to get stuff done in where I can, but usually it boils down to doing stuff like right now. Like we record late at night because it's the only time that we can. Exactly. So, and, and like you, I try to get some game time in when I can. That's so, it tends to be like after I've done stuff that I wanted to do for the day, it's like, all right, I'm going to decompress a little bit by playing the most stressful games <laughs> that, that I can find. <laughs> Let me take my free time and just fuck it all up. <laughs> yes, jack it all up because I'm going to get pissed off. Yeah. But I think that's why I like rewarding games. You know what I mean? It's like I spent the time and I actually achieved something in that time. So I, I have to keep a lot of it down to, like we were saying earlier, when Francis goes to bed, when the kids yeah. are asleep. Because then I don't have any, 
you know, no, nothing, no other responsibilities are going to pull at me. Uh, or maybe super early in the morning before my, you know, myriad meetings start popping up in my calendar. Mm-hmm. But that right now, that's, those are the primary things that I'm doing for, you know, for hobby stuff. So we'll end the mixes. So that also has to get done during the night, but throughout the day I'll, I'm listening for music, looking for tracks, you know, so I, I sprinkle stuff in whenever I can, but most of it has to happen after hours, if you will. Sure. But it kills me. (laughs) 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 Because I get no sleep whatsoever. But this has been a, this is how I've lived my life like for a long time. So I don't know how the fuck you do that. I, I cannot. Like, I feel like when I was younger, I could last longer and do more. Uh-huh. But, I mean, I'm 35. I am slowing down. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how much sleep do you get on average? I get a good amount of sleep on average. I would say like seven Damn. to eight hours. Yeah. Pretty good. Dude, that's amazing. <laughs> well, here's the benefit, right? And and this is 100% like my partnership with Stephanie. Stephanie is an early morning person, mm-hmm. right? Maybe I am too. I don't know. I would have to be awake at that <laughs> time. <laughs> but primarily, like, I start work at 9. Mm-hmm. I get up at 8.55. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And I then, like, somber downstairs. And maybe some days I'll be a little bit more lenient on that, depending on what I'm doing the day before. But, you know, at the end of the day, all the work is getting done. Yeah. And that's what matters. But because of my partnership with Stephanie, like, she really lets me chill in the morning. Mm-hmm. Right? As far as, like, getting Thea ready or feeding Thea breakfast and then whoever is going to come help us take care of her during that for that day comes at around 8.30. She allows me to sleep mm-hmm. as much as I do. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it works out because, you know, she'll go to sleep like around 10, 10.30. I'll have like three hours to really do whatever I need to do for that day. So for me, as far as like workload that I need to do, I need to edit this podcast which is anywhere between like four or five hours of work per week. I need to, if one of my bands has a gig coming up, I need to practice mm-hmm. like my, my bass lines. If it's part of my cover band and we're learning new songs, like I gotta, I gotta be ready for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I do love playing video games. <laughs> that is not a lie. Recording the other podcasts, like and pay the price. I'm, I'm the talent on that one. So I don't need to produce or edit that kind of stuff. But what's happening now is, well, and I've known this for a long time. I can't mix things. Okay. Like I can't, I can't have multiple parts of my passion overlapping. Right. When I'm at work, if there's like a slow moment, I can't just like open up, the editing software and like 
do it for a couple minutes and stuff like that because when I'm editing, I am staring yeah. at the audio waves, yeah. right? Because I'm a visual editor just as much as an like auditory editor. Mm. Like I'm getting to the point <laughs> where I can visually gauge the amount of space needed to move a line over in order for it to sound like a human right, voice. Right, it's just normal, yeah. <laughs> so it's not just like super choppy yeah. and shit like that. i got to cut this much. <laughs> exactly. But what I can do is like if I'm at work and I have like 30 minutes in between meetings and that's not really enough time for me to like get started on something because yep. I need momentum. Yeah. When I go to town on something, like give me an hour and I'm grinding. But for shorter amounts of time, I'm lucky enough to have my instruments next to me. So if I need to practice a song, boom, I get 10 minutes of practicing mm -hmm. here and there and stuff like that. I've realized, though, that the most important thing for me in order to always get stuff accomplished is that my mind needs to be calm and, like, appeased. Is that the right appeased. word? Appeased. Right? Like, yeah. my, my mind needs to be, mentally, I need to be happy uh -huh. or at least content. Right. And so, like, what will happen sometimes, if I'm, I can't edit super late because I care so much about the edit, <laughs> uh -huh. but my brain starts, like, falling asleep. Yeah. And I get into this middle ground where, like, I, I just can't. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like, a couple of weeks ago when I was editing late night. I was starting to fall asleep, like, at my fucking computer. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. So what do I do? I fired up yep. my PlayStation. <laughs> I played for, like, 20 minutes. And after playing for those 20 minutes, I came back and just killed the edit. Yeah. Right? Like, my brain needed that break. I couldn't do three to four hours consecutively of editing without... Without that mental break. I did the exact same thing the other day. Like literally, really? yeah. That ex that's my life story right there. <laughs> but, and, and like, it's super important, right? Because your brain, it's almost like you have to clear the cache of your right, mind. Right, In order for new information to come in. It's eventful. I'll say that. So you, yeah, you, you do the sprinkling also. I do the sprinkling also. I'm also lucky that like, when I play gigs, I'm out. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not at home. Right. I am at a venue. I'm fully committed to what's happening for those three to four hours that I'm doing that. There's no way for me to mix anything mm -hmm. <laughs> at that point, mm -hmm. which makes it easier for me to delineate my time. Okay, this is music time. This is editing time. This is game time. This is my actual job time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And family time. <laughs> yeah. You know. Them too. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. We'll we'll go visit you know Francis's parents. Well, you know, or her brothers, and I'll bring like I'll bring a book, like the cyberpunk book, with me and stuff like that. You know, because at any given moment, I might get a question for from Roman because he's digging through all this stuff. He's like, "Hey, I saw this. What do you think about that?" And I can open it and reference it. You know, and, and be like, "Oh, God, this is where I think we land on this." you know, based on all this stuff, or I'll just kind of read sections to get a feel for what's in there. And it's like, okay, how are we going to take this idea and concept and, and translate it? So it's sort of, so, so it was like, 
there's always something going on in the brain. You know what I mean? Sure. So like, it's almost as if I'm never not thinking about something. See, I can't, I can't do that. (laughs) I, I need to be like not thinking for poor, (laughs) like in between activities Uh or like in between certain duties, let's call them. I need to be brainless. Man, so I, I think I get it from, I probably get it from work, honestly, because we, we yeah. do a lot of, and it's this is not always a you know a good thing, but we do a lot of context switching at work. Mm. So, you know, typically that's a problematic thing, especially if you're talking about developers, right? Who are like deep into code and stuff like that, and how things work. You can't just throw them a curveball all of a sudden and, ex- and expect them to sh- shift gears. Right. Yeah. But in the middle, like when we're working on stuff, like I said, pe- new stuff pops up all the time. Someone jumps in, asks a question about something you hadn't thought about in a week, you know? And so um, I almost, I have to be able to juggle stuff like that. Mm. And so I feel like it's an inefficient use of, time that i have if i'm not using it for something that needs my attention interesting but i have i have absolutely no problem not thinking about anything (laughs) you know Um, it's not like i start to freak out or start to have a have problems if i'm not engaged with something i could totally just not do anything problem is when that happens i tend to just fall asleep because your body's tired, Chris. I'm like, I'm like narcoleptic. That's your body telling you, like, please plug me in. Can we stop? I need energy. That's funny. You know, like I mentioned when I was doing Crescendo, my entire brain capacity was that job. Yeah. Right? And being on call for a variety of different circumstances much like you're talking about now, there there was always something to think about. And I felt like I was always on, right? So with this job, when I transitioned last year, I had to make myself a promise. And that was that work is during work hours. Mm-hmm. And like, that is a, that is a designated time because again, my company's small. We're in, different time zones, everyone is just given the respect to work at their own pace. And some people do. Like some people complete work over the weekend because they take time off during the week. Like it's super flexible, That's cool. right? Yeah. But I, I needed it to be like 9 to 5.30. Mm-hmm. That is my work time. And like, you know, some of my coworkers, because again, the only way we connect is through like Gchat. Yeah. Will Gchat be like, quote unquote, off hours? And I'm more than happy to like talk about things or like text back if I have time. But like if somebody says, oh, man, like I need to I need this and it's past 530, bro, I'm so sorry. You ain't getting it. (laughs) You're going to have to wait until the next business day because I can't like I, I cannot. I need to unplug from that world in order to enjoy the rest of my life. Right. Yeah. Cause I always had this mentality that work was life 
And now I have the mentality that my job is only a third of my life. It is not the majority of my life. It is not, frankly, the priority of my life. I mean, it's the priority in the sense that I need money, right, right, to live and take care of my family. But I cannot give it everything because now with a daughter, with my passions, needing my partner, all these different things, like, I feel like I owe it more to them than I ever would my job. And that, for the past year, training myself that way has been so beneficial. I'm sure Stephanie would attest to that, that I'm just like a happier human being now. Yeah, I... In the my previous job, I, I was I when I'm out, I'm out. Right. If if you contacted me for something, I was just I either didn't even get it or I was just gonna ignore it till the next day. Uh, they don't really expect us to do work off hours right now. In, in this job, the only thing was it it came up once because we had this was on a Friday. The Monday after the weekend, we were going to do basically a each department was doing like a presentation to the president and we do this every month. Mm. But if you don't have your shit together, this guy, he's like, he's on your ass. The, the first time I saw this meeting happen, he was basically chewing out my boss's boss at the time. <laughs> and, and she and like, she's a, he's a firecracker, right? She doesn't take shit from nobody. Sure. But I was like, damn, he's just, he was just laying. And it's not like he was mean. He's just very, very straightforward and very blunt, you know? Sure. With, with, not not sugarcoating. Sure. Yeah, with, with his expectations and, and stuff like that, which is... A true project manager. If you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we were preparing this month's, you know, presentation and transitioning some of the stuff that we covered to me. So I had to prepare some stuff for it. And she was on, she was on travel most of the week. She got back. She's trying to put together this whole deck from all these different people and she she sees my section and she was like, "Hey, why does it look like this?" And sent, <laughs> sends all these like emails and then she texted me. <laughs> and I was like, "What is going on?" It turned out it was fine. That like the one the one that she was referencing at that time. But I, yeah. but I was like, "Okay, this is a situation where I should probably yeah, <laughs> yeah, I should I should <laughs> uh, you know, give this some attention cuz she somehow found your landline that you don't own. No, I mean we've um <laughs> calls your house. She lives like not she lives in um Ashburn, I think. Mm. And we're we're all remote team, right? So Sure. But she too used to be at my other company before I was there. Or bef- yeah, before I started. Mm. So we have a we have a, a connection in that way. But she's here, you know, and we we did some site visits before, so she's got my number and all that. And we traveled we ended up flying on the same plane on that trip that I went. Sure. On the way up there, we didn't even realize it. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I mean, she's 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 cool. She's great. So it's not like I want to leave her hanging. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, but yeah, I was like, you know, I should deal with this one. Um, and then we had other other stuff to, to fix Monday morning because they pushed the meeting, which was fine. But everything went went, went off well. So typically, I wouldn't do it, right? Because I'll get our I'll get our teams messages and stuff like that. I might occasionally see an email, but. If it's if it's after hours, unless it's super super urgent, I'm not gonna sit down and, and do that. You know, I, I got to give that time to to the family first. I completely understand that. So speaking of family, how 
is Francis with managing time and you guys together. So she's she's good at managing time when things are going as expected, right? Mm, interesting. So she'll 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 have pull together like a plan of things to do or how things are going to go, and as long as it's going along the pa- the plan, <laughs> then it's good because she <laughs> she's great at um, you know she did some work as an event planner mm-hmm. and she's great at that. So when it comes to keeping keeping things organized, having logistics, you know, in order. And, and she also, you know, did um, like flower arrangement work at, at weddings and stuff like that. So she knows what it's like to be a vendor, right? To have for things to have to work on schedule on time and having mm-hmm. to work with a client and all that kind of stuff that has their own. Having an actual timeline yeah, to adhere to. Timeline, their own demands and things changing all the time. She gets, she understands all that. And so she's great at, at her own time management. Uh, the difficult part is when the, when the wrench shows up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So sometimes she has some difficulty making those adjustments. And I feel like that's one of my stronger suits is being adjustable and adaptable. I try to, I'm very much a, like a solution focused person. So if you show up with a problem to me, I'm like, Okay, here, here's the problem. We've identified it. Now, what are we going to do about it? Right? Like, I try not to dwell on the problem. Sure, you just try and get it solved. Yeah, because I'm like, the problem is the problem, whatever. And then Francis struggles with that a little bit sometimes. And so it, it can be difficult because I'm here at home, but I'm not always available, which is hard for, for both of us, you know, especially when baby's getting crazy and cranky and stuff like that. It's like, I want to help, but I'm not always available to do that. I get so many meetings throughout the day and meetings can pop up, you know? So she'll ask me what my meeting schedule looks like. I'm like, this is what I have now. And then before I know it, there's like two more in there that kind of slot in, you know? Come out of nowhere. Yeah. So it's challenging because if if we had planned to do something or get something taken care of and she can't, then it, it starts to muck up the plans. But otherwise, though, you know, she's 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 great at it. Nice. Stephanie is very much the yin to my yang. Mm-hmm. Personally, I've never seen someone more organized than her. And like organization is not <laughs> a key term <laughs> under my personality. <laughs> okay. Stephanie was really the person who taught me like wake up and write a list. And like it's just so much easier to deal with things. Cause I I'm very much I know my own processes. I have my own mental checklist. Like I, everything's in my mind. Yeah. And that's fine. But there is something great about having that list and just the sheer pleasure of like crossing something. (laughs) Yeah. That's done. And much like how you're describing Francis, Stephanie's really good at planning things like for the family, right? Like if we're going on excursions or, If her and I were vacationing somewhere, you know, she's whipping out the itinerary. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I do so much logistical work in my work life that I'm not doing any of that shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to feel like work. (laughs) Yeah. Cause it it honestly does. And, you know, like, and I've told her that before. It's like, if you want my opinion on things, I'm super happy to give you my opinion on things. But like, I just hate making decisions. I have to make decisions all the time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I, I make some decisions, right? <laughs> but I try I try not to. But again, if like a wrench 
enters plans, mm-hmm. I'm very much the one to like, okay, let's just pivot and do this stuff, right. you know? So I think between Stephanie and I as a team, it's perfect mm-hmm. because we kind of catch each other where we need to. And I guess the more important thing is that we teach Thea the right way to do it. <laughs> she must be better than both That's of us. That's right. I tell that to our kids all the time. <laughs> when they start getting those, you know, some negative thoughts or whatever, I'm like, like, you don't have to worry about that. Like you you guys are better than the both of us. Like you may not see it yet, but you have the best parts. I believe it. Well, nice. So we're both procrastinators in our own little way, yet somehow incredible hustle. Yeah. We get, we get a lot of shit done. When you sleep, do you just knock the fuck out? Yep. Instantaneous. I am a <laughs> super efficient sleeper. <laughs> I think they just call that tired. <laughs> I'm the same way, though. The minute I hit that bed, like, it'll take a meteor <laughs> to wake me up. A meteor. That's funny. Now I feel like my ear is adjusting to the cries of my child. Oh, yeah. It will. But prior to that, I honestly would would be afraid before Thea showed up. Mm -hmm. I would be like, what if I don't wake up? Yeah. What if I don't hear anything? (laughs) What if I just sleep forever? Oh, you know what I get now? I get Io standing by the side of the bed at like 4.30 because she had a nightmare. Oh, my God. It's got to be terrible. It's a freaking ninja, dude. Like I can't tell you how many times she just appears. I'm like, God damn it. Can you like announce yourself or something? Make some noise, please. As long as it's not like some malignant shit. Oh my gosh. That's funny. Uh, oh man. Like, Only time will tell. You'll get it. You'll get it. Well, I guess as it turns out, you guys enjoy listening to the podcast of two people who are pretty poor time managers, <laughs> but are guaranteed to get it done. That's right. And speaking of the things that we choose to commit our time to, our second podcast off of the Samurai Beat banner, Pay the Price, has begun broadcasting and putting some episodes up on all social media. You can find it at Pay the Price. On Spotify is where I watch it, but it's on all streaming platforms. And we wanted to take some time to kind of talk about exactly what pay the price is, but also the mentality behind what we're trying to do and trying to grow. Now, for me in particular, I'm the novice at this type of gameplay. But, you know, for a couple years now, Chris has been trying to get me on some sort of tabletop RPG system. <laughs> <laughs> We've tried a few. Yes, and we we talked about that in a previous episode, but I want to give some space for Chris to kind of talk about what Pay the Price is, and hopefully some of our listeners here can go over there and check us out in a completely different context. So, Chris, give me the, give me the elevator pitch. Oh, man, this is going to have to be a really tall building. I don't want to make it too long, but this is definitely something that I'm personally just really passionate about. And the elevator pitch for pay the price is it's, it is a demonstration of how people like you and I 
people that have a life full of adult responsibilities, family, work, kids, hobbies, what have you. It's a demonstration of how people like us can still enjoy tabletop role-playing games. And here's why that is such an important thing for me personally. If you've never played a a tabletop role-playing game, so we're talking about games like Dungeons & Dragons, okay? That's the most widely known one by a long shot. These are not short games, right? You (laughs) You can't sit down and do much in an hour or even two, honestly. Um, and that's just because of the way they're designed to be played, right? There's, you have people gathering together to work through a story, but you have someone who's kind of running the whole thing, right? Your dungeon master or game master, depending on what you're playing, who has to figure all this stuff out. You have all these rules to convey and know and, or, and keep organized. I love that stuff, right? I, I played it that way traditionally for since I was nine, if not more than that. And I've been through a couple of different systems. I'm not like the most learned or experienced player, right? But I, I love the genre of game for so many different reasons. As uh, life started to progress for me, out went the available time I had to play those games. And so it just became this thing that I just absolutely loved to do, but could not find the time to do it. And even if I could find the time, I couldn't find three or four other people who could also find the time and who were willing to make the commitment that you needed to make to enjoy a game like that. Cause it is, it's work, you know, there, oh, there's, yeah. there's an effort there, especially if you're the one running it. And so since I couldn't find people to play with, I had to run it. And then, then came in the, well, I just want to play feeling, <laughs> you know, I want to be part of the group that's experiencing the fun and all that stuff. Not that being a GM is not fun, but it's a lot of work. This show is there to show you that you can still do it. You can still play. Because that's literally what we do. When we sit down to record Pay the Price, we literally sit down and just start playing. We don't we do not do a whole lot of stuff in between. The, we do minimal work as in we know who's going to start the show. And whoever that is has to do a little bit of thinking on what kind of scene right, that they want to start with. But that's it. That's all we do. No one's planning anything ahead of time. No one's organizing stats pulling up monster blocks or trying to figure out every possible scenario that the players might go through and derail the plot. You know, none of that happens. Everything's happening on the fly. All of us are players and you can get a whole lot done in less than two hours. And you'll see that because none of our shows go that long. This is the answer that I've been looking for personally, right? A way to really enjoy the game with my friends and just tell some really zany memorable stories that'll stick with you for a long time because that's that's how i remember these games when i used to play them but we used to spend like an entire saturday playing i can't do that anymore you know there's no way (laughs) as much as we may want to as much as i would love to do it I, i can't i don't even have time to read through every single i can't even read through a single core rule book we're talking about hundreds of pages right yeah from from cover to cover can't do that anymore I really love this because it just gets down to the to the core of what makes the tabletop RPG experience fun, which is the people and the stories. And we've kind of carved away everything else that gets in the way of that, you know. This first season is our, you know, you know, it, it's got some rough edges, I'll I'll grant you that, but we do hit a stride I think as we all start to learn how to do this as a as a show. 
essentially, mm-hmm. and how the how the whole thing just kind of works conceptually. I would agree with that. My perspective in not only participation but also as a listener is really from the outside looking in. I did not grow up playing these types of games. However, when we got into this particular system, which again, no prep necessary, or at least like super light prep, more of a reactive kind of gaming environment because everyone kind of gets to cohesively decide where the story is going to go. I I come from really enjoying improv comedy Mm -hmm. and it really aligned itself to those tenets of the, you know, you hear it all the time, the yes and, Mm -hmm. right? Where it's like, if somebody throws out an idea, every idea is valid and you're going to build it up, right? To be able to play these games has been super fun. And and to Chris's point about it being a little bit rough around the edges, what I think this first season is really going to be cool to see and experience is how like an idea becomes a show because mm-hmm. <laughs> we just wanted to get into it. And we learned so much, like even within the first four episodes, it almost feels like we evolved yeah, sure. into into a completely different show. And we wanted to make sure that the entire season was completed, or at least at the very edge of the completion before we started to release them. Because, I mean, we didn't even know yeah. <laughs> where, where the story was going to go. And as we look forward to, a, you know, a possible season two, I know I'm excited because the beginning episodes of that season is going to be radically different than anything else. Totally, yeah, very much so. It's super exciting for me. You know, because like I said, this is what I've always wanted. Cuz I've just been dying. I I see all these new games come out, right? Tabletop role playing games have countless settings and systems and things like that to, for you to explore if it's something you've even remotely been curious about, right? And now with this, you know, I mean, we're doing some legwork in terms of modifying uh, rules and systems so that they other games can be played in this way. Because now when we pull that off, we're opening the doors, right? For people to enjoy not just Starforge, which is the game that we're starting with, but any other game that we can manage to successfully convert. It's like you, you have that avenue too. If you want to play a fantasy feudal Japan samurai game, we're going to do that, right? That's definitely one of the ones that we want to do. The one we're hitting next that we're working on right now is Cyberpunk, which has a whole lot more exposure now than it did, you know, three years ago. Yeah. Because now you have a a prolific game, which had plenty of notoriety because it sucked at at launch. And now it's totally (laughs) clawed its way back into being an amazing game. DLC 2.0 patch. Yeah, a whole new game. There's an anime that was wildly successful. And so people are more aware of it now. You know, and and it's just it, the setting itself just lends itself to really great uh, drama story and wild things happening out of the blue. So I'm super excited for that. It, but like we were saying, like you and I listen to podcasts, right? Pretty very regularly. Yeah. The other guys, Roman and Ivan, not so much. <laughs> so even that dynamic, you know, because we had experienced listeners and then people that don't have podcasts in their life at all. Ivan 
a little bit because he actually did a show with uh, with um, Francis's brother for a short stint. Mm. But I don't think he listens to any on a regular basis. And then we had a whole an array of different RPG experience, right? So I have a lot of experience. Roman has a lot of experience. You and Ivan really don't have a lot of experience. Well, Ivan has none at all. Yeah. You, you had some, but with me. So we, we, we tried to cover a range of things to say, no excuses basically, right? It's like you guys didn't really understand the whole rule set, but it works. We can just kind of talk our way through it. Even with people like us, like Roman and I, it took some learning on our part because it's so different from the way you would traditionally play a game like this, that it took some time for that to really sink in too. So it's like no one is controlling the story, but we as a group are doing it together. So if we commit to doing that, then we can tell a pretty good story Mm -hmm. and roll with it. So you are literally watching things unfold as we are. It's not like we plan the arc of the story or anything like that. It all happens as we're recording. We we created the the tool that I mentioned earlier. We call it the Samurai Beat uh, Beat Sheet, which is kind of harkens back to, like I think it goes back to like stage, right? Like theater or like show production, where you have the beat sheet tells you these are the major hits that we're going to have in the story or in the production, and then you fill in the details with the mm-hmm. script and stuff like that. We called it the beat sheet because it's kind of similar to that. It just facilitates your game, right? So all the info you need. Is contained in the beat sheet. You can all use it as a group in, during play. So everyone's looking at the same sheet. All the dice rolls happen there. Everyone's seeing it happen in real time. So it's really a communal experience. And so we, we said, all right, that's, I, I, that's all I want to do. I want to tell people how to do it, give them the one tool that they need to do it, and then just say, go go play, right? Go play, go tell some stories. We'd love to hear, hear them, you know, so come back and tell us about it. But we just want to enable people and show them, it's like, hey, if you ever wanted to check it out, or if you're like me, you love the games, but you just haven't been able to play, well, you can, because we've been doing it for months, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, and it's and we, worked out so far. And it's worked, yeah. We, we carve out a two-hour block, you know, the length of a movie, right? And we don't even play the full two hours, because we're doing other stuff around it. You can absolutely get in a great session and just, you know, as soon as the time's over, boom, you're, you cut out. And that's it. So kind of like work, you know, you just disconnect and go off and do whatever. No one else has to think about it till next time. So it's been really great. And uh, I hope other people, you know, recognize that. I I hope it's entertaining. (laughs) It was fun to play for sure. Uh, And we're getting better and better with every, every time we sit down and do it. I I hope you'll check it out and, uh, you know, give it a shot. We'll have more posts and everything about how, you know, how, how it all works. We'll have links to where you can get your own copy of the beat sheet and then you can change that up however you want to, to fit your game. So you just grab some friends and start telling some cool stories. Yeah, just uh, I, I really hope to spread the, lo- the joy of the tabletop RPG. <laughs> like, it, like it's been a, such a fond memory for me. And, I, and I'm really excited for people to listen to it and kind of consume it. It should be, like you said, there's different entry points for people. And I feel like now that tabletop RPGs have gotten so big, there's so many people that want to get into it. And then they see a core rule book and they're like, what the fuck? Yeah, I got to read this. <laughs> I have to read 300 pages. Uh, No, I'm out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas with this, you know, it's. It's more so getting into the spirit of just creation, yeah. right? You get a good group of people, 
it's never not going to be a good time. So we hope that you guys give the show a chance. Again, it's called Pay the Price. You can find it anywhere you stream podcasts. You can also find it at patreon.com slash Samurai Beat. And hopefully, just like this show, that show is going to grow, evolve, change, be dynamic. And hopefully, you'll come along for the ride with us. It should be noted that our first season is called Dawn of the Deliculum. Say that seven times fast. <laughs> we promise that it's not a uh, <laughs> a dirty word or anything <laughs> like that. Um, but it's definitely a space-centric story with some horror elements, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't say too much so that you can actually listen to it and kind of discover the mysteries of the world surrounding the deliculum. As the crew does. That's right. Well, everyone, I think that's going to do it for tonight's Midnight Connection. As always, I want to thank you guys for your support. Uh, 11 episodes deep. Somehow we're almost three months into doing this. The holidays are coming up. Let us know what you want to hear us discuss. Because frankly, to me, holidays remind me of food mm. and i could talk about food for hours okay you so, guys are about to get two months worth of food <laughs> two months worth food of talk. food food talk and and holiday talk and everything like that but guys we can't tell you how much we appreciate the support as always you can find us on all social media at the midnight connection pod if you have suggestions for segments or you just want to drop us a line Hit us up at the Midnight Connection Pod at gmail.com. And we will see you next time for another fantastic episode of the podcast. And we'll see you at midnight. Thanks for tuning in to The Midnight Connection. The Midnight Connection is a product and trademark of Samurai Beat LLC, which is a fan-funded organization made for you and made possible by you at patreon.com slash samuraibeat. Support us there and join the conversation by submitting your questions, comments, and topics for future shows. We seek to entertain and build a community of adulting gamers like you, and we appreciate your support, your confidence, and your inspiration. Thank you.